Oh, so, all right. I'm here with my friend, Father Peter Pompicello. He is a recruiter for the military archdiocese. He is a priest and also a member of the United States military. We just walked out of seeing Oppenheimer. So we are about to talk about crazy, awesome, ridiculous movie that brings up lots of moral things. Yeah, mind, mind blown and everything else blown. Uh, so we're going to talk about it and what it has to do with Catholic teaching and our lives. Stay tuned. Now I am become death. Culture Catechism. Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. All right, listeners. So our show is a little bit different today. Normally I come in pretty prepared with my thoughts and I've outlined everything and I have a catchy cold open and interesting questions to engage you for the rest of the episode. That's not how we're doing things today. Today, we just saw a movie like just a little bit ago. Just a little bit ago. Don't talk about this thing. Let's start talking about it. We went to see the movie, (laughs) had mass in your office, and then went and like had stir fry and now we're here. (laughs) So that's what we're doing. Uh, So this is Pop Culture Catechism and I'm here with Father Peter Pompicello. Uh, Father Peter, why don't you tell the wonderful people here uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. So So. I'm, I'm a priest in the army. So I'm an army priest recruiter. I look to bring priests into the army as chaplains. That's my whole mission for the next 30 months or so. Uh, and we're local to each other. We met, we met on the internet. We yeah. met because of this guy over yeah. here. Uh-huh. So my, my at father, fr dot uncle Sam account on, on Instagram. And that's uh-huh. how we got things started. It is. Uh, and it's cool that we're local to each other. We could do this, that you're actually got the show on the road, like not too far from home. Yeah. I guess you, you found pop culture catechism through Instagram and I then did. like, liked what you saw and right. reached out and right. we kind of chatted no, on you the phone. You were kind enough to gave me some tips and pointers. Like I, I, I started with zero followers about six months ago. It was right. crazy. So it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we've, uh, you took me and my son JP to, to breakfast right. a little while ago. And so we've been thinking for the last few months, what's a good episode we could do together. And you pitched me a couple ideas. I sent you a couple ideas and we, we never really landed on something we really wanted. But then Oppenheimer came out and we were both right. like, yes, no, let's do it. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this with you listeners. If you don't know who I am, and this is your first time here, I'm Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader out of Washington, DC. I spent over a decade teaching, teaching Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. So now I am blessed to speak and lead music for thousands of people each year uh, at events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies where we plug into the music and the media and the movies and the shows that you're plugged into and search them for the true, good, and beautiful elements that are in them so we can find God's love and see God's love in our everyday lives. So then when we unplug, we can actually go out and live God's love and we're you know not yeah. stuck on our phones Amen. and our tablets all the time. So uh, hopefully... Uh, that's our goal by the end of this episode is you'll have a little more perspective, not just on appreciation for this film, but also a greater understanding of some, some deep moral questions that we're going to talk about and um, peace and what the Catholic view of, of that is and how to have peace in your life and how to live that with the people around us. So that's our promise for you by the end of today. I want to give a special thank you at the beginning of this episode to all our patrons that support this show through popcultureCatechism.com. And if you'd like to hire me for an event at your parish or Catholic school or Catholic event, you can go to MikeTinneyMusic.com.
All right. So with that out of the way, uh, is there anything else you need to tell us? We've Father been Peter? very disciplined. We've been we very, very disciplined, disciplined yeah. not to talk about anything since yeah. we left the theater just a couple hours ago. Yeah. So if you so don't, like, I'm ready to go. If you don't know what Oppenheimer is about, it's about J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is the man that headed the Manhattan Project during World War II. He's a, a famous uh, theoretical physicist, and he uh, studied black holes and isotopes and all sorts of things that are way above my Oh, yeah, no, that was, that was and painful. He, he was in charge of managing the whole effort of the United States to develop atomic weapons before the Nazis. And uh, that's what there it, it's based on a book called a biography of him called American Prometheus. And if you know who Prometheus is from Greek mythology, he's the one that he's the human that stole fire from the gods and brought it to humanity. And he was punished eternally for it. And uh, anyway, so that biography is now made into a movie by Christopher Nolan. And so that's kind of his character. He's messing with these primal forces that hold the universe together. So uh, let's talk about the movie first, just from an artistic point of view, and then we'll get into some of the themes. So what what did you like about it artistically? I, I love, so artistically, I'm still trying to figure out, and I can't wait to read up on it, on what Christopher Nolan was doing with the three different types of medium of of the film itself. Mm-hmm. He filmed some of it in black and white. Some of it was like in an old type of color. Mm-hmm. And then there was another type of color to show the different time periods. Because you, you're kind of, there's a lot of spoilers. We're going to, are we going to kill the yeah, spoilers? Yeah, by here? the way, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, spoilers. Full on spoilers. Here you go. The bomb goes off. All right. <laughs> so so the, the thing is, he tried to, he was using that as a narrative tool. Mm-hmm. Of showing, all right, this is this was the past, then this was this was the present of his, you know, because there's the, there's also that legal story of yeah. of his how loyal to, was he to the country? Were there security leaks to the communists that mm-hmm. he was responsible for? It was, you know, it was all kind of dubious. They they had to go out on a limb for him yeah. with with security, uh, and you know, I was enjoying that from well, we, I guess we can get to that, but mm-hmm. but from the army point of view, I'm like, wow, like what they had to do. To, to trust people enough with this technology and yet they don't really trust them. Some of them they didn't trust yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. And it was, but I, I love the, the play of the color. I, I can't wait to look that up about the, the three different ways he shot it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think I realized there were three. I noticed there were two. I noticed black and white and color. And, um, but there's the older color too. Okay, yeah. So I it was the oldest one had that pastel kind of, it looked yeah. like old color film. Yeah, that's interesting. You and, know, um, I don't know if you ever, one of his, early, Christopher Nolan's earliest films, you don't know who Christopher Nolan is. He did like Inception. He did uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, uh, the the Christian Bale Batman. He directed that. And um, he's done, a, he did Arrival with Amy Adams. He's done a, a Tenet a few years ago. And one of his first movies that he did was called Memento. It's one of my favorite films. I love that movie. And that, he, it like it's half it's moving forward and half it's moving right. backwards. And right. it's, it's black and white in color. And then at the end, they like merge yeah, together. I think he, so it's I think a similar it's, He topped technique. himself by doing three. Yeah. And I still, <laughs> because I don't know if you noticed, there were even some scenes where it started to transition. Like the black and white, wait, we're not black and white, we're color now. So he's yeah. brought through the timeline uh-huh. and it was really it was exciting that, I feel, I feel like it's a movie you kind of need to oh. see all it, of his movies are that yeah, way yeah you need to see more than once it reminded me a lot of Memento the way it was jumping around yes. all over the place yes. back and forth so fast dialogue very fast and I wanted, thick dialogue I wanted subtitles yeah me, me too <laughs> me too I my 54 year old ears wanted subtitles <laughs> yeah uh-huh. for sure um, yeah so I, I think that the uh, oh the and just some of the you know I was I was sitting there and I'm thinking 
did this need to be like I'm glad we treated ourselves to IMAX yeah. it was awesome to get mm-hmm. it because there are scenes well, in there you, that, you treated me you, well <laughs> we treated you. ourselves to IMAX it's, it's your taxpayer dollars at work you know that's all it is so but the I, you know there were visuals that were just you know Los Alamos and the planes and, and all, all of that and then of course you know explosions and all this other stuff but um, I wonder you know I don't think it's a bad small screen experience because it's so yeah. deep in mm-hmm. in dialogue and drama it's almost like a it's like a lot of it's like a courtroom drama I would I would I would describe yeah, it as for sure for sure so and that and then that brings us into the themes that I can't wait to get to but uh, yeah but I, I um. It didn't oh, feel, totally it, watchable. It didn't feel too long to me. It was very quick, no, actually. it was. Super quick. Um, a little, after, after the bomb, I was surprised how much movie there was left after the bomb went off. <laughs> I, there was, yeah, I know. I Because I got to that point, too. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, we're doing, it was almost like he he managed to put two films together at once, yeah, really. Uh-huh. Because, cause, yeah, the bomb is one story, but then, no pun intended, the fallout is yeah. another story, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought uh, the acting, there's so many good actors oh, in yeah. this. Robert Downey Jr. was excellent. Yes. And yeah, so it was. It yeah, was no. Really and all the cameos just keep coming. Matt Damon was <laughs> Matt Damon. in there. Matthew Modine from, I, that was another war picture. I, I didn't, I'd encourage you, you and your viewers to see it. Great moral questions in that one too. Full metal jacket. It's okay. Stanley Kubrick. Okay. And it's, um, yeah. And the, the whole moral question of, of uh, well, of, of just war, which is what mm-hmm. we're going to get into. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some of the themes, unless there's other artistic things you want to get into that you liked or didn't um, like. Well, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll just mention it because I think the sound editing was exceptional. Oh my gosh. So the, sound, the sound editing too. Yeah. Like, I mean, the suspense, you know, we told you we we're going to give you spoilers. I can't believe they made the, the explosion of the test bomb that suspenseful. suspenseful. You know well, it's going to happen. Well, I think it was... A f- like they started the countdown at a minute and I think they gave us the full minute. I think they did. And there's like violins getting more and more tense the right. whole time. I was like, when's right. it gonna say? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like in a, in a, in like a dance hall song when it's like, burr, 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 and you don't know when it's going <laughs> right, to right, right. It was like that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, and, and the sound editing to it as well that like, first of all, I'm like, how could I be on edge about something that I know this thing goes off, uh-huh. but we're watching and we're watching and he created so much tension through the sound editing and then, and then he took it away. And all yeah. you heard was the breathing yep. while the visual of the bomb goes off mm-hmm. and you just hear everybody's breath mm-hmm. and just breathing. And yeah. and then he comes in at you with, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, nah. uh, if you didn't forget, this is an atomic bomb. Yeah. And he shook the theater. I, I would, if you haven't seen it yet in theaters, I recommend bringing some earplugs. It's loud at some points. <laughs> yeah. I was I was like plugging yeah. my ears for some part. <laughs> I know as a musician, I'm more sensitive to that because I want to keep my ears and I'm I'm always playing on stages with lots of loud music. So I'm, I'm, I'm very judicious about where earplugs but uh but I would, would, recommend would you that. agree though was, there was a there was sound editing sound going editing on in was there. so good. that was rich yeah, it was really, really rich. rich and part of the storytelling i will make a little criticism there was a point where i and this is just me i feel like if i'm conscious of the fact that you're that you're using soundtrack to tell me how to how i should be feeling at mm-hmm. this point it's a little too much. Mm-hmm. And I felt that with some of the conversations, some of the dialogue, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is a serious conversation now. Like, I'm like, and I thought he's better than that. Like, yeah. I was like, and we're better than that as an audience. Mm-hmm. For somebody who's going to go see this thing, this is not Barbie. No. You know, <laughs> this is it's not like some not. silly mainstream. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're looking for substance and going yeah, to see this movie. For so. sure. So I for thought sure. that some of it, a little bit was overdone, uh-huh. but other than that, it uh-huh. was... All right, so let's get into some of the themes. And the first one I want to talk about is actually not the main one. I want to talk about um, 
kind of famously, there's several nude scenes, several sex scenes in this. And I was warned about it. And it was actually not as bad as I was warned it was. At least I didn't think so. Um, I tend to be kind of sensitive to that stuff. So a lot of times I, you know, I close my eyes or I, I meditate on theology of the body and just, you know, think about this is a beautiful child of God, beautiful daughter of God, you know, like, and I just try to think about Focus it in the right on the ways. Face, Mike, the face, yeah, the face. yeah. So I try to think about it in those ways. And it, it, it wasn't, um, to I don't know did you did you, did you think it was well so here's the thing I knew when we were walking into the theater I, I told you that yeah. um, this made some headlines when it first opened mm-hmm. that the the Hindu community was upset mm-hmm. that that in a sex scene they actually take out the Bhagavad Gita and they read from it mm-hmm. and I was like get online with the Catholics you know to be blasphemed <laughs> I'm not saying it's right I'm not saying what they did was was respectful to to you know to the Hindus or whatever mm-hmm. but. I didn't, I didn't even think I, I, I that got past me. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, so I was aware of that as a sex scene going mm-hmm. in and yeah. I only expected the one. So mm-hmm. then there were like two others. Mm-hmm. The one was that the one in the courtroom scene was just heavy handed. I, I thought yeah. it was enough that you saw him there shirtless. Yeah. And uh-huh. I was like, that was pretty, I thought that it went his from wife, clever his and subtle. Had, his wife is in the corner. Yes. <laughs> and then like the mistress is. Like, yeah. On top so of he's, yeah. he's testifying and he's, he's been testifying the, the whole movie but then all of a sudden he's there shirtless testifying, and I just thought that was enough. Like uh-huh. you did enough. You didn't have to go over the top. And it's like, okay, let's let's you know, mm-hmm. you know, roll the tape and have them you know mm-hmm. going at it in, in nude on the yeah during the during mm-hmm. the scene. So the the moment where the mistress's Florence Pugh is is looking over his shoulder at his wife Emily Blunt in the corner, that was just like a. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's yeah. awful! Kind right. of like that's. I thought I thought that did a good job of reflecting how she must have, right. or could have felt could in have that felt. moment, that level of betrayal. Right. Um, and so th- this is this is what uh, I, th- this might be a little out there, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. My interpretation is it's interesting that during the first sex scene with the mistress, with uh, I forget her name, but the Florence Pugh character. There's so many names. I have yes, hard to give the names. A lot. Yeah. Um, is when they read the the quote from the I was Bhagavad the um I have become death the destroyer of worlds which Oppenheimer quoted is like that that's kind of what was going through my mind when I saw the trinity test of the first atomic bomb and they they chose to put it there in a sex scene and I thought it, it's interesting cuz what is an atomic weapon it's fission it's the fusing of molecules and it releases this incredible energy and like that's what sex is like sex is the fusing of body and soul like we, we talk about becoming you know ontologically one with our right. spouse and in, right. in marriage and you become one the you know the two become one it says that straight straight in genesis um and so there is kind of a i thought it was interesting that they linked it and i don't know if it was on purpose but just kind of that idea that um you know nuclear power is kind of sex and nuclear power can kind of metaphorically right. be linked. Right. Uh, and one of the things that I often think about when I'm giving chastity talks and that sort of thing is the idea that fire is a good thing, right? And fire allows us to have all sorts of things like combustion engines and cook our food and all yeah. those sorts of things. But if we're not careful with it or if we're malicious with it, it can be super destructive. And nuclear power is the same way. Like nuclear power could like save our planet if we use it in the right way to like, you know, have green energy and that sort of thing. If we can learn how to 100%. harness it, it can it can take us on engines to other planets and that sort of thing. Like there's so many good things that nuclear energy can be used for, but if it 
is used recklessly or maliciously, it can also destroy us all and destroy the whole world. And I think the same thing is true of sex. And I don't think Christopher Nolan is is, is going there with this because I, I don't I don't think he's I, down with theology of the body. I think he might have gone there yeah. though, narratively in that. Notice how he he hi- so he highlights that that line in the sex scene, mm-hmm. and that really winds up being the destroyer of his own world. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. his own relationship with his wife, his infidelity. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it was an atomic bomb in yeah, his personal it was. life. He wasn't, he wasn't careful with the atomic energy of love. And <laughs> I know then, that sounds cheesy, then, but well, and, and then his ties to her, uh-huh. all the suspicion goes back to her being yep. a communist. That's and, true. So it's, it, it, you know, it was, it doesn't it just was ruin his marriage moment. Yeah. It, it ruins his, it ruins his professional reputation. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you could even go further than that, that because it was an, well, I, at that that scene was not adulterous. It was well, so we can do this. We can yeah. talk about that. You, you know, so there's yeah. a difference between fornication and adultery, yeah. right? So fornication so would be like before marriage. Before marriage, and neither party were party were married. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is before he's married, but then it turns into an adulterous affair because he continues to see her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think narratively. Using that line during that sex scene, it was foreshadowing the whole, yeah. like, no, this guy's blowing up his whole life over yeah. this woman. Interesting. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, I, I buy it. <laughs> I buy it. You know, I, I wanted to just to, to comment. You were talking about the technology of, like, you you know, using fire, right? We need fire to cook, and fire turns the, the, the turbines that, that power all this equipment that we're using yeah. and all that. And man has constantly, constantly struggled with the advances of technology, and then almost immediately we weaponized them. Yeah. The airplane was immediately weaponized. Mm-hmm. As soon as it became a thing, they were racing to get to the airplane to use it as a weapon against each other during World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could go all the way back to technology and weaponry. You go back to the crossbow, and yeah. the church had a hard time with it. They they said no. The crossbow is this is not a good weapon. This shouldn't be manufactured because. The thought then was that at least a warrior has to have the strength for the longbow. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to make this readily available for people to shoot a bolt out of a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Like, where does this end? Anyone could kill anyone at any time from a distance. You don't have to look the person right. in the eye and consider their like life an immortal soul. It could be from. And far now with away, this you know? atomic, you know, we we get to atomic energy. We didn't even. We didn't even use it for a power source or anything. The first thing we did was to try mm-hmm. to blow each other up. Yeah, and they and they in the movie they hear on the radio the next day. Oh, you know, fifty thousand people are dead. You know, they they didn't they didn't know these people. Even you know, dropping a bomb from the plane, you might see the poof, but you don't know who's dying. You don't right. you don't see the people. So it does depersonalize things. Right. Um, it the thing it, that I want to yeah. constantly go back to is that. It wasn't a military target, and that's mm-hmm. what we got to talk about. Yeah. So, as as a soldier, um, what are your thoughts seeing this film? All right. So, my soldiers that that know me, if I I, I served in I served in Alaska in an infantry unit, I served in, in an infantry unit in um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and I'll often say this for effect before I say prayers, and I say it for the effect, but it's the truth of it. We 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 exist as an arm of diplomacy to fight and win our nation's wars. And I tell them, we're not here to make apologies. And this is, this is the part that like my sister gets a little annoyed with me when I, and she's like, don't talk that way. I'm like, this is what we do. We exist to go and travel to someplace to shoot the enemy in the face and to come home. That's why we exist. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why do you have to say it that way? Because that's the reality of it. Now, hopefully that we are so tough and such a formidable force that the enemy is 
frightened at the idea of us coming there to shoot them in the face yeah. and we never have to pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. That's the ideal of a standing army that's strong and ready. Yeah. If you're just so afraid of that army, don't even come near me. Let's come to terms. Let's get back to the table and talk this through again. But if diplomacy fails and mm -hmm. we have to assert ourselves, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So two, two disclaimers before we go further. That's a really interesting point. And I want to, I want to come back to it. First of all, um, and I say this on many of my episodes, we're going to talk about the moral teachings of the church, what the church says is right and is wrong, where there's a gray area and how we can make those decisions. It's challenging. The church is teaching. Jesus is teaching. It's always radical. It's always challenging. And it doesn't line up neatly with our like American political polarity mm. very, very nicely. Um, and so it, 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 just like Jesus did, he breaks us out of our our, our boxes and normal ways of thinking. And so if you are a soldier, if you're someone in the military, if you have family in the military, like I do, my father fought in Vietnam. I have uh, a nephew who's probably going to join the military here very soon. I've, I've friends and family, um, who have, have fought and killed. And so no, just know that none of this that we're going to, that we're saying when we're talking about the morality of war or just wars or unjust wars or unjust actions or sins, none of this is, meant as like to look down on anyone or, or cast, <laughs> cast aspersions on anyone. Um, but at the same time, these are important things that we should talk about. Um, and so we're, we're going to preach, preach the radical gospel of Jesus and, and forgiveness as well. So if, if this, um, hits you in the heart and like, makes you feel like, like some kind of way, just know that that's, that's the gospel. It makes us feel that way. And the same as if we were talking about abortion or sex or, or, or any of these hard, difficult topics, divorce, um, you know, they're, they're difficult, uh, but that doesn't mean they don't come from a place of love where God, Jesus is calling us deeper. Um, the second disclaimer I want to make for you, Father, is uh, if I ask you any questions yeah, where you're sure. like, I don't think I want to answer that publicly on the internet, <laughs> let me know and we'll like rewind and Got it. kind of Got snip it. that out. So, no problem, no problem. Um, Send but, it. But I want you to, to share that clearly. So it's interesting what you said is um, you talked about how by the United States having a very formidable fighting force, we are ins ensuring or hopefully ensuring that the bad guys don't do the bad things and we can keep them in place. So That's I'm going to, the ideal, I, I think my ideal of mm -hmm. the greatest of armies is one that never has to pick up a weapon Yes, because they are such a threat so to I, their enemies. I have a quote here from uh, Gaudium et Spes, which is one of the documents from the Second Vatican Council. And this is quoted in the, the current catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, so it says, the horror and perversity of war is immensely magnified by the increase in the number of scientific weapons. For acts of war involving these weapons can inflict massive and indiscriminate destruction, thus going beyond the bounds of legitimate defense. Um, but here's what it says. It says scientific weapons talking about like nuclear weapons to be sure are not amassed solely for use in war. Since the defensive strength of any nation is considered to be dependent upon its capacity for immediate retaliation. So it's, it's not saying you can't have weapons. You can't, it's not, it's not saying that you can't have weapons, it's not saying you can't have nuclear weapons. Um, because just by having them, it kind of makes the other guy think twice, but then it goes on to say, um, this accumulation of arms, which increases each year, I was talking about the arms race, it was, this was written in the 60s, likewise serves in a way heretofore unknown as a deterrent to possible enemy attack. Many regard this as the most effective way by which peace of a sort can be maintained between nations at the present time. Um, but it also says that the arms race is an utterly treacherous trap for humanity and one which ensnares the poor to an intolerable 
degree. Extravagant sums are being spent for the furnishings of ever new weapons. An adequate remedy cannot be provided for the multiple miseries afflicting the whole modern world. So basically what it's saying is like, yes, you can have these weapons as a deterrent, but this arms race is like really morally suspect and can really aggravate things. And why are we spending all of our resources on that rather than the poor who are suffering right. and these ways right. to kill each other that are ne hopefully never going to be used? Um, so it has the church has major moral reservations about even having them, even if you never intend to use them as a deterrent. Um, but uh yeah. So anyway, that, that just made me think of, and, of and we're less said. than a hundred years of trying to unpack this. Yeah. I mean, this it's new, this, yeah, it's just, it's so new mm -hmm. that, that I, I don't think, I don't think mankind really, I, I, this came up during the movie. I was thinking about this, you know, there's a line in the movie. I think says, this is going to be, this could be the weapon that ends all wars. Mm -hmm. And that's what was said of the machine gun, yeah. which sounds like laughable. No, like no. now, like like how was the mach the machine gun was oh, like the mach this is going to be such a lethal weapon that you know we're not going to fight conventional wars anymore. We're not going to do this anymore because this weapon is going to mm. be such a deterrent. But it's just like I got a big stick. You're going to try to get a bigger one, and yeah. and we just keep trying to outdo each other. If, if you ever read some of the philosophers from like the Enlightenment era, you know, sixteen, seventeen hundreds, 1800s, especially the democratic ones, saying you know once we get everybody. Um, going to school and learning like we're going to usher in this age of of peace for mankind because there's all this new science happening we're going to be able to feed the world and then the, and there's a in Les Miserables, the, the book, if you've ever read it, one of the young revolutionaries is saying, you know, the 19th century was great, but the 20th century will be uh, peaceful or paradise or something like that. Because he's like, well, I have all, all this learning that we can use to civilize and humanity. It was bloodier than all of them. And it was bloodier than all of them. Because what did we use it for? Like you said, we used it to weaponize things. And something, this kind of goes back to the artistic things, but one of the beautiful things about this movie or kind of disturbing things about this movie is I think it presents the the postmodern worldview kind of after world war two, where it's like, what, what does the world even mean? You know, we just killed millions of people in this war. We're talking about like quantum mechanics and like uh, light being a wave and a particle at the same time, this paradox, like what even is reality? Can I even know truth? And so the nuclear age really ushered in this postmodern way of looking at the world. We're like, well, my truth, that's my truth, but is it your truth? And I thought the film kind of really captured that in the way that it was so so stitched together with three different perspectives. So I, I thought it was it was kind of like a collage of postmodernism in some right, ways. Right. You know? Well, and the atomic bomb did something that was really never done before, in that it it targeted. There's no there's no way around it. It targeted non-combatants. Yeah. You know, this was not this was not something that was used on a force of soldiers because they looked at it and they're like, well, where are we gonna where else are we gonna use this to get the same effect? Mm -hmm. And and now this is where the church comes in and says, you got to be proportional. You know, you, you have to use good means to good ends. And if you're going to fight a threat or deterrent, and I'm glad they, you know, they made all the classic arguments throughout the, throughout the film. One of the most common ones you hear is, uh, well, this saved a lot of American lives. You know, mm -hmm. do you not, they were never going to surrender and, and we had to do this. To, well, it's like, well, they did surrender because mm -hmm. you use disproportionate means. And you, yeah. so they did surrender. It might have it might have cost more combatants' lives, but there's a difference between mm. American soldiers as combatants versus Japanese soldiers who are combatants, and bombing waste to an entire city, women and children. Yeah, it's and it's and that's a hard one. That stings, and I know a lot it of is people. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I have friends. They'll be like, "Yeah, well, you know, you can't." And and I get it. We're talking about this eighty years later. Yeah. 
I don't even, I wonder, you know, like, they did this in the movie. I think they did it somewhat well. It was, it, they tried to collapse it all in one one scene. When he goes to address the team. The other scientists. About their success, and they're yeah. all, like, they're all jumping up and down in the gymnasium. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, my parents of that age, my father was, my father was uh, about eight years old. Mm. No, no, he was older. He was, he was about uh, 12 years old when, when this all went down. And, and they were cheering in the streets. The war's yeah. over, and you know, and and we got them and all this. But I don't think they knew at that time. Like he's he's having all these flashback, flash forwards, I guess, of of the the horrors of it all and the consequences of it all, which really isn't fair to the people who worked on the project. I don't even yeah. think they realized how yeah. how potent this really was. Yeah, I think we should always with with war. The the, the church says that war can be just, right? It can be yes. justified, yes. but it's never really a good, no, right? Never. It's never really a good. It's always kind of like this least bad option. The fancy theological world is what they call eschatological tension, meaning the tension between heaven and earth. Like in a heavenly world, uh, we are supposed to be prophets of in this age, and we're supposed to live this way already, is live these heavenly lives where we are peaceful. We, we follow our Prince of Peace, Jesus, and we lay down our lives for one another, but we're stuck in this world where sometimes... The barbarians invade. Sometimes the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. Sometimes the Nazis invade Poland, and we need, we need to be able to defend people. Um, but it's it's never really seen as a good. It's always seen as the least bad option, and um, so that's that's what we get to in this situation. Is is the weighing of greater goods and lesser goods to see like what what are the consequences? And you, you always you know the enemy always gets a vote. Yeah. The, you know, as peaceful as you want to be, the enemy gets a vote. And if mm. they're going to come at you with aggression, mm -hmm. then you have, out of charity, out of charity mm -hmm. to the people that you're charged to defend as a government, mm -hmm. well, out of charity, yeah. that's why you're going to war, which sounds paradoxical in itself. Yeah. Like, I'm out of charity, I'm going to war. But in a, in a very real sense, you are. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's what it's for. So in uh, Catholic moral teaching, there well, just in moral in moral philosophy generally, there's different ways of deciding whether something is good. Different theories of saying, well, this makes something good and this th makes something evil. And the greater good evaluation is normally called utilitarianism or consequentialism. And the Catholic point of view rejects that as like a pure way of like that. If you're just balancing what you think is going to be the best and what you think is going to be the worst, um, you can justify a lot of really bad things in the name of the greater good. And you're kind of predicting the future, right? You're kind of saying, well, this will happen. That will happen. Right. Like you don't right. know, right? You're just baking, making your best judgment in the moment, which is prob probably not that good. And so the church says there are some acts they call intrinsically evil. And so this is, this is also out of Gaudium et Spes, that document from Vatican II, and it's in the catechism as well. It says, any act of war aimed indiscriminately at the destruction of entire cities or extensive areas along with their population is a crime against God and man himself. It merits unequivocal and unhesitating condemnation. <laughs> so the church would say it's, it's always and everywhere immoral to use atomic weapons. Now, that's a lot harder if the Nazis are also working on a bomb. <laughs> right. And well, like, I, you know, when it came you, to my mind though, what about the island wars? What if they had used an atomic bomb on an island that they knew was just full of Japanese combatants, like, which uh, probably wasn't true either though, yeah. because there were probably still civilians there like, anyway. Okinawa, Iwo right. Jima. I mean, you're going to, yeah. you're going to wind up, and that's, you know, that's where, well, that's where we get into this whole idea, whether you're killing the enemy justly or you're, you're killing civilians unjustly, 
there's this this moral injury that 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 we suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, taking life, taking another person's life is as significant as giving life. You're a father, mm. and that was a significant. The moment you became a father, probably one of the most significant moments in your life. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's crazy with consequences that go on without end. Yeah, and long and after it, I'm gone, and a relationship that endures forever. Yeah. And it's the same for someone who takes the life of another. Mm. I, I I've dealt with soldiers who 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 struggle with this. Mm. I, you know, I I've dealt with uh, with soldiers who, you know, they've had to take life in mm. in war and in combat, and they've, yep. and they've they've killed a lot of people, and 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 they, to to reconcile this injury, this moral injury that it's not just uh, you did what you had to do. That 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 doesn't make it right. There's mm-hmm. still a wound there. Yeah, it's still there's still an injury there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That idea of moral injury that sin doesn't just hurt the other person, but sin hurts us. Well, so I want to make the distinction though, for your viewers, especially moral injury is not sin. Mm, Interesting. It's, there's a distinction between moral injury. So, so for example, yeah, uh, break this open. So, okay. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I grab a weapon, I run across the street to the, to the mall and I, and I kill a bunch of people Mm -hmm. and I, and I run home. Mm -hmm. What I did was completely sinful and unjust. Mm -hmm. Whereas a soldier who takes up arms against the enemy and takes his life, mm-hmm. shoots the enemy in the face. In, in a just war. In a just, just war. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there is, there's no sin in that. Yeah. And yet there's moral injury suffered by the surviving soldier yeah. who has to reconcile this. And if you don't reconcile it with God, you're going to look to drugs, to sex, mm-hmm. to gambling, and all the other ways that they act out. And then unfortunately... I'm sure your viewers are aware of this. We, we say what twenty-two a day. I mean, how many how many veterans commit suicide? Yeah, because they don't reconcile these mm-hmm. these deep deep wounds of, wow. of moral injury yeah. within themselves, and they become they become violent toward themselves. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And I, and uh, I'm all I'm often when we discuss really controversial issues like this, I, I try to tie it to something that would be more familiar to like the opposite side of the political spectrum. So like conservatives tend to be a little more friendly towards the military generally, and liberals tend to be a little less friendly towards the, the military. So to use your example on the other side of the political spectrum, let's say a woman who ends up unexpectedly pregnant from or you know a, a, in an awful situation doesn't really know what an abortion does doesn't understand embryology boyfriend is pressuring her into it um family's pressuring her into it she by getting an abortion she might not actually be committing a sin in the sense that she knows what she's doing and it, she knows it's wrong and she's doing it on purpose but there would still be an injury to her because she's doing something yeah, harmful. i don't know i don't know if i'd use abortion as an as an analogy because mm-hmm. Because an abortion is never justified. It's never justified, and I think I think I think I think just about any woman's going to have some kind of hesitation as to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're trying to search an analogy for moral injury. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to give another example of moral injury that might not be a sin. So so well so well I mean the oh okay okay a police officer. Yeah. Police mm-hmm. officer using justifiable physical force against the perpetrator of a crime yeah. kills the guy. Yeah. There's a moral injury there. The, the, the sure. police officer didn't wake up that morning saying, I can't wait to go kill somebody. Mm-hmm. But in acting justly, in protecting life and property, serving his community, uh-huh. he had no choice in that moment yeah. to take, but to take up his arms against this other, this other 
this perpetrator mm-hmm. who was bearing arms against him or another person mm-hmm. and he took his life yeah. and he killed him and there's no sin in that yeah. but there's there's moral injury there i, I uh-huh. you know and police so so police officers can suffer from moral injury soldiers yeah. can suffer from moral injury in that way um it, it, this this idea of of taking life because i i can't think of any really other examples of the necessity of taking mm-hmm. life can I, can I ask you a couple other deep sure. questions that you're, you're welcome to not answer if not you don't want it. to. So you're a recruiter for the army. I am. Uh, you're wrestling with these big, important questions. Um, how do you, you know, with someone who you're recruiting to join the army or, or, or a priest or just even in your own life as a soldier, um, how do how do you rectify these in your mind? This moral injury that, that people might, um, I don't know, inflict on themselves or things that Ooh, things that people might do. Thank you. That's wrong in a, in a, in, in a just war. You know, we've, we've had some, you know, some Catholic theologians would say questionable wars in the last 20 years or right, so. Right, right. So how do you No, Thanks for bringing that up. You know, because you, cause you, you, you've taken a couple vows here. You, yes, <laughs> you've taken a yes, couple different allegiances yes. here, you know? So, but I, I think it's great that you bring up the fact that, you know, when, when you see a soldier, you know, you you see a young young man or woman dressed like this as a soldier in the airport, and you thank them for their service. Mm-hmm. There's a depth to your you know to your gratitude that I wonder if people even realize when they say, "Oh, thanks for your service." Mm-hmm. And when you're thanking a soldier for his or her service, you're thanking them for bearing the burden of violence mm. for the safety of our country, yeah. for for bearing the moral injury, for carrying the cross of mm-hmm. moral injury, which is not a sin, mm-hmm. but it, it but it's a burden. Yeah. It's a burden that, that that's borne by soldiers that have had to take life, that have had to mm-hmm. prepare others to take life. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's combat, there's combat support and combat service support all working together to that end. And, mm-hmm. and so that, you know, in a certain sense, everybody bears the blame. Yeah. I, you know, to bring it back to the movie, um, you know, when Truman, I like, I think it was wrong, you know, when, when Truman, uh, in the scene, Oppenheimer is kind of, he calls him weepy, right? He's mm-hmm. like, I oh, don't keep this crybaby out of my office. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but Oppenheimer is, is expressing to the president his reservations of what they've done. And like, you know, the Pandora's box they've opened. Yeah. And, Truman's like that. Blood isn't on your hands; it's on my hands. Mm-hmm. He's he cooperated. He he yeah. you know he's he he physically and and morally cooperated in the in the creation of the atomic bomb, knowing what though, it would be used for. Yeah, he yeah. knew what it would be used for, and he himself picked the target when they yeah. said, "Well, what's the best target for this?" Yeah. So there's there's an injury that comes with that, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's yeah. So how would you? hypothetically, or maybe deal with this yourself. What, what about, uh, an action in war that isn't just, that isn't justified? Like, let's say there's a, an order that we would say is, is unjust. Like how does, how does a Catholic soldier deal with that situation? Right. Well, I mean, (laughs) again, you don't have to answer. No, no, no. And it's okay. I mean, you know, you could bring up the classic, uh, stories from world war two with, with German, uh, soldiers, trying to defend themselves and their decisions. I, I was just following orders. I was just following orders. Mm-hmm. That's not a defense. You know, we, we have an obligation to act morally. We have an obligation to act on moral orders, you know, when, when things are right and true. Um, and then then it's a matter of, of you know, are you, are you willing to speak truth to power mm-hmm. and to tell people, like, no, we, sir, let's think this through. Like, should we be doing this? I, I, could, I could mention a story. Um, yeah. They, they came about, they, uh, this was a friend of mine who was, was in Afghanistan. They were having problems with 
the local populace was kind of really belligerent toward our presence being in the town. Mm-hmm. And they powwow one night. It, it, it went down to almost like a near riot in, 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 the, in the village that day against the American soldiers. Wow. So they had a powwow that night, and they're like, what are we going to do? And some of, the, some of the American soldiers were like, we need, to, we need to build better barriers. We got to impose curfews on these people. We're going you know, th- to make sure that we show them who's in charge. And then somebody else said, how about tomorrow we go and pass out water to all the people? These people have to go to a well like like a mile outside. Like, why don't we just give them fresh water in bottles? Mm-hmm. And and then like all the eyeballs look at him, he's like, We're not gonna compromise our authority. We're not gonna compromise who's in charge. We're gonna show them who's in charge. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're gonna also show them, hey, we're here to help them. Yeah. And we're gonna pass out all this this water for nothing. Mm-hmm. And we can win over we can win them over. Yeah. And so there's two different ways of achieving yeah. the same this, for sure. For sure. In the, uh, the church, I'm trying to find the, my citation here, but I, I'm having trouble finding it. But there is, um, says that, you know, soldiers in war, they're obligated. They have a duty to not follow Absolutely. just just orders. Uh, just, just orders. It's just what you said. Yeah. I do have a quote here from St. Alphonsus Liguori, who's one of the famous moral theologians in the church. He says, where a soldier understands a war to be unjust, he may not receive absolution for his sin unless he seeks as quickly as possible to be dismissed from the military and in the interim refrains from hostile acts. So he's basically saying like, you, you cannot follow yeah, orders. And if there's an unjust war, like right. you get, yeah. So I think, I think that is, that's hard. And I can imagine for you, no, you and your situation, or people who have built their career and their reputation on, you know, being all you can be and right. being part of the military. Um, there's, there's some gray area there. Like, like I said before, you, you've, you've taken several different vows. Like before, when we went to see the movie, you were wearing a Roman collar. Right. Now you're wearing a uniform right. with the American flag. And, um, do you feel like there's a tension there? Um, I, I, I don't think there's, there is a tension there. There, you know, if there isn't a tension there, then there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yes, there is a tension there. And I, I'll, I'm a priest forever. And I'm a part of the body of Christ that is without error mm-hmm. and without sin, you know, as in, in, in his perfection as a church, you know, yes, it's made up of sinful members. My, I'm right on the front of the line right there, <laughs> but, but the church is assured of her holiness. Yeah. The United States of America is not assured of holiness. Mm-hmm. The United States of America, God bless old glory. Yeah. It's not assured tomorrow. Yeah. We're founded on a document. We're a constitutional republic, mm-hmm. and that needs to be re- defended justly. Yeah. And may God bless America. But, Amen. But that being said, we're not assured tomorrow, and 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 it's, and it's a frightening thing. So I, I will say though, even let me take myself out of it. And I'll, I'll answer it this way: even a priest during Nazi Germany, in that in that army, because not you know not every German soldier was a Nazi. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but. So if you were a priest and not, they still needed the sacraments. They still needed, even if you didn't agree with the, the Nazis, you had to work somehow to give these wow. people the grace and, the, and a way out. Like the, the, mm-hmm. there were soldiers there that needed the sacraments. Wow. And you know, who are you going to serve? Wow. It's kind of, it's like Jesus healing the Roman centurion's uh, servant, you know, even though the Romans were the oppressors of his people. Right. Whew. You're going to get us in trouble preaching that Jesus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I like there was a, there was a part in the movie. I was waiting to see where um, 
I forgot where Heisenberg winds up. And Heisenberg, actually, one of the scientists mm. who's popular talking about pop culture, right? Mm. Heisenberg, a lot of your viewers probably know the name from Breaking Bad. Because are you familiar uh, with Breaking I'm, Bad? I'm not, no. Oh, Breaking Bad. I mean, I know I'm familiar with them, but I haven't watched it. Right. Yet. No, it's it's phenomenal, phenomenal mm-hmm. series. Breaking Bad, which, and I think even better than that is the prequel, Better Better Call Saul. That's mm-hmm. all another story, though. But there's a lot of moral questions in there, and and the principle of uncertainty with I think it's the principle of uncertainty with Heisenberg, and Heisenberg gets introduced in there, but he winds up going with the Nazis. Mm. He winds up you know serving, it, it, whereas they bring they bring the other the other. Scientists back Boar? home. Bohr? Yeah, I think yeah, it was Bohr. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who are you going to serve? Yeah. And, and then ultimately, who are you going to serve? You know, if you're not serving the Lord, then give yeah. it up. <laughs> even the Nazis does, need sacraments. Wow. Well, yeah, even the German people needed <laughs> sacraments. People. And even the Nazis needed redemption. I mean, yeah, you know, and, sure. and let's, I, I mean, I think we'd be fools to think that there weren't, there weren't Nazi soldiers who became converted and said, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, became horrified by their own actions, yeah. by their own. No, I, I'm not saying that, you know, like I'm not here to, I'm not, not defending the Nazis. Canada, I'm not canonizing the Nazis. <laughs> Absolutely not. We're not yeah. canonizing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm sure, you know, like mm-hmm. there you are, this, you know, this 15, 16 year old boy, you've come mm-hmm. of age during Hitler in the beer halls of mm-hmm. Munich. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and says, no. Mm-hmm. And how many of them might have themselves even been martyred? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because True. they had to change your heart. Yeah, I think I think it's easy because of the, the horrible things the Nazis did during World War II and the Holocaust in our pop culture world. We tend to think of Nazis as the bad guys, kind of like, you know, alien slugs from outer yes. space coming to invade us. They're just yes. kind of like this impersonal bad guy that right. have no redeeming qualities. But I think it's important that we don't lose sight of their humanity. Amen. So are you trying to humanize the Nazis? It's like, well, right. yeah, because the, the reason it's important that we do that is one, there's always a chance for redemption, like you said, but two, when we distance ourselves so far from our enemies and, and people who do evil things, we forget that we are capable of the same. Amen. We do thing. that with Judas. Yeah. Every land, uh-huh. every triduum. How easy it is to do it with Judas. Uh-huh. Oh, look what Judas did. Yep. I never would have done that. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. You know, we're, and if we're you were raised in, if you were raised in Nazi Germany under that propaganda, who knows? Would you really have stood up? We all like to think we would. Right. Have. We'd like to think you'd see. You know, and yeah. that's the whole revisionist history thing mm-hmm. that, like, you know, we're seeing with the clarity of of eyesight eighty years ahead mm-hmm. of its time. Yeah. You know, but in mm-hmm. that time, in that space. You know, and I mean, we can, that's a whole nother show, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, getting into the, you know, because, because Germany itself suffered injustices For sure. from, from the first world war. There was, mm-hmm. I, you could make an argument that really the first and the second world war was just one big continuation yeah. because we mm-hmm. stepped on them so hard. And then you get you get a character like Hitler who can rise yeah. to power, and that's why the Allies in the Second World War wanted the unconditional surrender. They didn't want a conditional surrender like in the First World War, um, where you know both sides kind of got some say. They wanted an unconditional surrender, and that's that's part of why we used the nuclear weapons on Japan. Is you know they wanted to keep their emperor, and we're like, nope, you guys don't get to say anything. You just got to surrender. That's all you get to do is surrender. You don't get to make any. It, there, there's no concessions to you at all. And I think if we had been a little more willing to accept some concessions, we wouldn't have had to use the atomic bomb. Um, we had to, like, I don't think we had to, but we, I, I no, think, well, we should, well, I, I, I think, think they, we I think we could have gotten now, them to surrender. We shouldn't have, Yeah, uh-huh. you know, we yeah. shouldn't have, and we could have, 
you could, we could have demonstrated it. You, mm-hmm. you, know, you could have done something else. And yeah. I, get, I get it. People flip out. You know how many Americans would have died and mm-hmm. all. That? It's like, yeah, but that didn't make it right. Yeah. You know, drop, mm-hmm. dropping that bomb in Hiroshima didn't did not yeah. make it the ends, right. The ends don't justify the means. No, no, exactly. not at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I thought it was a great point in the movie, and I never took the time to actually think it through. That they developed the bomb in an arms race, so to speak. And even that word, nobody mm-hmm. was talking about arms race back in 1938. Yeah, but, but the idea. But the idea of, we gotta Nazis. get this technology yeah. before Nazi Germany does. We gotta, we gotta beat them. And then, then there's that pivotal point where it's like, oh, they took a wrong turn. We're gonna get them. We're, yeah. gonna, we're gonna beat them. We'll get it. Then they develop it. They have it. Then the war in Europe is over. <laughs> yeah. So what do we like, do with well, it? Well, we'll use it in Japan. And Japan's like, not, yeah. that's not what we built it for. Nobody, it's like, yeah, nobody talked about using it against Japan <laughs> right. for the first two thirds of the movie. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe we'll use it against Japan. So yeah, I, I'd never thought about that angle before. No. Um, I, and I, 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 this, this is just an aside. I, I just kind of a fun thing to say. My father guarded the Enola Gay. Whoa. My father was an air, was an air policeman back. Mm-hmm. It was called the the in the the air force had just come into being after after mm-hmm. World War II, broken away from the army, and my father was air police during the Korean War, and he guarded that plane was was charged politically, like mm-hmm. you know they they were afraid that there would be threats and demonstrations against mm-hmm. the plane, yeah. and my father actually sat in that cockpit and wow. guarded that plane. Well, I think they have it at um, the Air and Space Museum. The Enola Gay? Um, I think they do. Or they have they have they have part of it. They at least have a B twenty nine. It might not it might not be the Enola Gay. Um anyway. Uh we we gotta we gotta wrap this up sure. here. But I wanted to share, you know, so all this moral gray area or all the this this tension between being a soldier and being a priest or being a soldier and being a Catholic, you know, we're supposed to be blessed are the peacemakers. Like Jesus said, you know, um, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. There, there's, you read the Gospels, you read the Acts of the Apostles, you read the letters of St. Paul. Um, you know, ju- just war isn't a major theme. <laughs> no, you know, it's no. all is all about self-sacrifice and a different sort of kingdom. You know, Jesus says to Pontius Pilate, you know, like my kingdom is not of this world. It's a different sort of fighting. St. Paul talks about putting on like the, the uh, putting on armor, like the breastplate of like righteousness. Like it's a different sort of military that we are in as Christians, different sort of warrior. Um, so what would you say to a young man or woman who's thinking of considering the military and is a devout Catholic? What would you, how would you advise them? Well, I I go back to what I said earlier that a nation has a right and a responsibility Mm -hmm. to defend itself. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're, we're a constitutional Republic founded on a piece of paper. And unless it's, it's protected, you know, that's the only assurance that, that it's going to exist for another day. Mm-hmm. So we do have, you know, legit, uh, please God, with, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we elect good, just, and moral leaders who, who lead us to protect and defend what what is truly, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is true, good, and beautiful, and not, not in self-interest or in domination and lust. You know, I, this, this idea of lust for power, this came to me this morning when we were... I was getting ready for this thing. Uh, talk about Catholic culture. That that song by um, I think it's called "Awaken." Oh, no, "Daylight." Daylight by um, Kutchner. It's it's it just came out. And it's it's all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this line in here. It's it's about a it's about a lustful romantic relationship mm-hmm. that's going wrong, and the guy's trying to break free of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought of like, isn't that the arms race though? It's a lust for power. Mm-hmm. It's this relationship between nations with a lust for power and. And I love it and I hate it at the same time. You and I 
drinking poison from the same vine is the mm. line from it. And it's, that's what they're doing. And, and it's interest, interesting you use the word lust because uh, what I've discovered in my own life and in lots of people I've, I've, I've worked with and counseled through the years, so often lust is based in fear. It's based in fear of I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, and, I, and so this other person is validating me with their body and all the feelings I get. But the lust for power is also based in fear. Based in fear and in inadequacy. Control, inadequacy. That I'm going to lose my country unless yeah. I invade this one. Yeah, Because exactly. if I invade this one, I'll have a bigger buffer between mm -hmm. me and the other bad guys. Yeah. I also want to say, they're, they're, I can't find it because I'm having trouble finding I didn't organize my notes like I normally do, but there is also uh, documents in the, the Catechism in Vatican II that talk about the right of countries and the duty of countries to protect its citizen and, and have a it military a and duty. those sort it's of things. It is. It's an thing. obligation. So I want to share... Um, uh, in a, a moment, I'm going to ask uh, each one of us to share one closing thought that we've that we're taking away from us, uh, taking away with us from this conversation. But I want to share uh, just a, a brief story of a young man. He's like 19 years old, and he's considering joining the military. And he was in one of my classes where we were talking about just war and all this stuff. And um, he was kind of like, "Mr. Tenney, what a you know, what do I do? I've, I've, I've my my dad's in the military. I've always wanted to be in the military, and and but you know, there's there's I'm I'm not sure. You know, what if I get asked to do something unjust, like, could, could I really do that? Should I just not be in the military? And I think it's easy when we see how, like, kind of what a, what a bias there is against violence and against war in the Catholic teaching for Catholics to say, well, then we just shouldn't be involved. And, you know, there is a great, um, example of and tradition of conscientious objectors in, in, in the Christian faith. But he's like, you know, should, should I just not be involved? And what I said to him is, you know, countries do have a right to protect themselves and a duty to protect themselves and their citizens. And we need conscientious people like you to kind of carry that weight of the moral injury they might incur. And we want people of good conscience and of virtue in those places, making those tough decisions. Because if all of us Catholics just say, all right, well, the military, that's not for me because it's too moral, morally ambiguous, then we only have the morally no. ambiguous people no. making those decisions. We, we got to live orders. in the world and not of it. Exactly. We need we need good, faithful Catholics to live in that eschatological tension and be, and be soldiers, be Christ-like soldiers that are going to give the right kind of orders that are not going to obey their own type of orders right. that are, are going to be our generals and our admirals and our commanders that are going to justly protect our country in a way that really promotes peace. So, um, that's what I would say to anyone out there who is in the military or is considering the military, um, wrestle with these things and absolutely they're tough and they can make us, make us question a lot of different things about uh, our calling. But I would really encourage you to, to take this to prayer and to see your, there can be a real vocation to be a soldier and um, it's not one to be taken lightly. No, so what would you say um, is a good takeaway from this conversation? I, you? you know what? I, I'm going to make a shameless plug though, to go on with this idea mm -hmm. of vocation to soldier and also vocation to priesthood. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and if, you know, if you're a young man thinking about being a priest and I hope that maybe, and if you're attracted to a life of service in the military, you can do both. And I mean, that's that's why I'm on this this tour, you know, with Father Uncle Sam, mm -hmm. trying to raise awareness of the richness of this life. I love mm -hmm. this ministry because because it, it touches on everything all at once. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I get to baptize children and witness marriages, and I get to help men and women who struggle with the with the horrors and the pains of 
things that their country asked them to do, you know, and, in and, war. And jump out of airplanes. And jump out of airplanes. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> can we see Father Uncle Yeah, Sam? here he is. So this there is kind of a is. spokesperson. This is where people can find you on Instagram, yeah, Father so Uncle Sam. Yeah, so fr.unclesam on Instagram, in please. Yeah. yeah, there we are. Um, Father, I often ask my listeners if, or I often ask my guests if they would pray with us to close out the show. Would you pray Absolutely. for us? All right, Absolutely. listeners, wherever you are, let's take a moment and pause and uh, let's pray as Father leads us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Father in heaven, we ask a blessing upon, upon our church and upon our country. Bless us with your presence. Surround us with your love that we may support and defend your will above all. As we pray through the intercession of the warrior who will end it all, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so Mike, much. Mike, thanks for, for having this. me. This was great. This I'm was glad we great. got it together. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'll have to do it again sometime. Amen. Good stuff. <laughs> There's two things I meant to mention that I forgot to mention. One, if you want to know more about Catholic teaching on nuclear weapons and weapons of mass destruction, I highly recommend Trent Horn has a really good video on that. I'll put it in the show notes. And also, if you want to learn more about Catholic teaching on just war theory, then we did an episode on that this time last year when Top Gun Maverick came out. So check out our Top Gun Maverick episode. I'll put that in the show notes as well. All right, listeners, thank you so much. If you liked this episode, if you learned something from it, if it touched your heart or challenged you in some way, I really encourage you to share it with at least one person. That's how this show has grown from just a few listeners uh, to many thousands, tens of thousands each month. So we really appreciate you. Just text it to a friend, send a screenshot or share it on social media, something like that. And those sort of individual invitations really help our show and our message to reach more people. If you really want to support our show, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. And that supports everything at Awaken Catholic. And uh, you can choose something that fits your monthly budget or giving level for your tithe. And uh, you also get exclusive content all the talks I do in my speaking ministry and uh, you get uh, bonus content for uh, the episodes as well. Uh, I want to thank specifically these patrons, Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, Tom and Emily Comberiati, and Dar and Jay McCaffrey. And if you want to hear some of my talks that I give, you can join uh, the at popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. You can also refer your pastor or whoever uh, runs events at your church or your Catholic institution to MikeTennyMusic.com, where you can book me as a musician or a speaker. I do events all the time, all over the place. I'd love to come and uh, help start a little revival in your community. So check us out. Uh, thank you so much, Father, for being here. Thanks. And, uh, Thanks for supporting the Army wear. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and listeners, we love you. Jesus loves you more, and we will see you next time.